Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by my favorite round of football. The divisional round, Raymond. The the round for the real teams, the round of men. This is this is the best weekend in all of football. For me personally, I absolutely love the divisional round. What do you think about the divisional round? I think it's great when you're the one seed. <laughs> we are the one seed, Ray. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I think I think wild card weekend's also fun too because you have basically you have all the underdogs going after one going after one another, seeing who's left standing to go against the uh, over dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that phrase, the over dogs. <laughs> the over the dogs. Over dogs. Yeah. Raymond, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can like us on facebook.com slash the goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment. The main hub for comment discussions is YouTube as of now, but we are also reachable via Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. All right. So, Raymond, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis, and I'm on Instagram at Ray Solis1. That's S-O-L-I-S. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis3RD. Hey, don't forget, you know what? The Goldcast is growing and uh, it's moving a lot. We're very excited, and obviously, you are going to see a lot more changes as we move around. We're obviously adding a top 11 podcast with Candlestick Will. That's his baby, and uh, we are obviously are expanding our reach and clearly as you see where sponsors are coming in so things are starting to rock and roll so do us a favor help us out whatever podcasting platform you listen to the gold cast hop on there give us five stars and then just leave you know rate and review that's all we're looking for and if you really enjoy the podcast do us a favor tell a friend tell a friend share an episode of the gold cast and say hey you got to listen to these guys they're the best because i think we're the best right are we the best I would say so. I agree. All right, here we go, folks. It is the divisional round. The Vikings are coming to San Francisco, and it's about to get super real. The Niners are back. We're going to talk about it. The greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism, he's in the building. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. Yeah. All right. Raymond, the Niners have captured the one seed. And in stunning wild card weekend fashion, the sixth seed upset 
the third seed, that is the Minnesota Vikings, defeated the New Orleans Saints. And now when we were in a position where we thought, you know what, we're probably going to have to face the winner of Philadelphia and Seattle. That did not go that way. Seattle did beat Philadelphia. They're on their way to Green Bay. But because Minnesota was the number six seed, Minnesota is coming to San Francisco. Now, having said that, this team just beat one of the best teams in all of football for the entire year. So, Raymond, as our father, Rudy Cease Jr., the unofficial uh, fourth member of the Goldcasts, said to me the other day, if you think Minnesota is going to be a cakewalk, you got another thing coming. This is going to be an all-out slugfest. I am of that opinion as well. Vegas, Vegas doesn't agree. Vegas is pretty confident in San Francisco's ability to uh, defeat this opponent. They had us earlier in the week at 6.5, and now Vegas has got us uh, at 7, between 6.5 and 7, depending on what your uh, what, what betting odds you're looking at. The, the over-under is set at 45, and here we go. Let's go through my favorite games to play. Let's just look at some stats. Minnesota right now is averaging about 25.5 points per game including the playoffs. That is seventh in the NFL. Minnesota is surrendering 19 points per game, including the playoffs. That is six in the NFL. San Francisco, we have not played a playoff game. So we are averaging 29.9 points per game in the regular season. That's second in the NFL. We are surrendering 19.4 points per game in the regular season. So we're surrendering a little bit more points, 19.4 points per game. Minnesota is at 19. Minnesota obviously defeated the New Orleans Saints 26-20 to in the NFC wildcard round. So we were on bye. We did not have a game. So now they come in to town. But, Raymond, we're looking at those numbers here, and we're seeing that San Francisco surrendering 19.4 points per game in the regular season. That's eighth in the NFL but that was before, well, that was with a lot of our defensive players injured. So why don't you go through my second favorite list, and that's the injury report. Who is coming back? Because this is a huge deal. Well, as always, health is the biggest thing. And the Niners had the bye, as everyone knows at this point. So the big, the big thing was how, you know, how healthy are we going to be going into this game? We know D Ford is still dealing with the quadricep and hamstring. He's been limited in practice all week. He's questionable, not doubtful. And we know that Jukowski Tart is back in full effect. He's been a full participant all week. He is not on the injury report, so that is good news. Contavious Street, one of our rotational defensive linemen, he's been limited all week with a knee. He's questionable at best. And then, of course, we have Quan Alexander, who's been cleared to play by the medical staff. And he's also going to be a game time decision. So we don't really know what's going to happen there until Saturday. You know, Saturday's the day we're going to figure all of that out. He was been limited in practice. He did do some, did get in some pad work this week, but it's important to note that everyone's not going like full, full hardcore hitting on. It's not like the old days, anyways, even, even if. It wasn't a playoff game. So I know that the Niners have been very cautious about getting guys healthy. That's been the key. The first week they spent getting healthy, and there's not really much 
you know, there's no advantage in terms of game planning because you ha- the Niners had three different possible opponents they could have faced this week. And so, you know, like Kyle Shanahan said in the press conference, you take a peek at all three of those, but you don't really start the heavy duty lifting in terms of planning until the final outcome. And we got the outcome, I think, was the Vikings Sunday or Saturday? I can't remember. It's irrelevant. But, you know, the, the, that day, the, the day that game concluded is the day that, you know, we started game planning for these guys. And to me, you know, some people, you know, our father, unofficial host, you know, didn't think that it was wise to or didn't didn't want the team to think the way some of us fans were thinking, which was that we got the easier road, not having to face Seattle for a third time and not having to. You know, and and then dealing with whoever the opponent would be between you know Green Bay and New Orleans, and I think you know I I think the Niners are not going to fall into that trap. Kyle Shanahan has never has always everyone you, you watch the press conferences every single player and this is pretty much across the board. You never see anyone in the NFL dissing or degrading other teams, but the Niners all season long have been very respectful towards towards their opponent regardless of their record or how bad or how good they're playing it's always the same thing they're all pros they're all you know therefore every professional gets treated with the same equal equal amount of respect and nothing is taken for granted and really the only one that really caught us caught us off guard was Atlanta so it's the Niners are not somebody that takes their opponent's life likely very often there's only one team that got us in, that caught us off guard and really that was a team that was playing drastically different from the one and seven team that started the first half of the season they were playing much better in the second half and they have lots and lots of players lots and lots of big playmakers on that team and so it's not they're they're no slouch they they're they're a team that's probably a lot better on paper than their record would suggest now to get back to the vikings the vikings actually have a longer list of injuries than we do this week starting with jerron curse who's the safety who's been dealing with a toe and knee injury he had not practiced all week long and i believe they'll be traveling tomorrow so He's doubtful for the game. That's the safety. That's not good. We know, I mean, it's great for us. We know that Linval Joseph, the defensive tackle, was dealing with a knee injury. He was a full participant today. He'll most likely play. Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback, he's been out the last couple games, and he is out indefinitely because he had surgery on his knee with a torn meniscus. Stephon Diggs was sick and didn't play the, the previous two practices, but he was a full participant today. I expect him to play. And then, of course, Adam Thielen, the one that showed up really unexpectedly unexpectedly this week with a ankle injury. And really what we found out, it wasn't that he twisted his ankle or anything like that. Someone spiked his ankle. Yeah, so, he got a cut, a bad cut. Yeah, and he had to have stitches. And he's actually questionable to play on Saturday. I think he's going to play through it and just deal with it. You know, how, how sore or tender that ankle will be, you know, really it's – we're going to have to see how he handles himself on the field. Either way, he's going to have his hands full between Richard Sherman, Keller Witherspoon, or Emmanuel Mosley, depending on who plays between. I think Witherspoon's going to get the start, but if he's not able to hold up, expect Emmanuel Mosley to step in in his stead, who I think should get the nod at this point. I think he's been there. He hasn't been dealing with any injuries. He was able to, to keep up what a Keller Witherspoon started and didn't didn't really ever have... I can't remember 
too many games or explosive plays that he gave up, whereas Witherspoon has been giving up explosives since coming back, especially in the past couple games. So I just feel iffy about that, and he's the one that kind of, I think, is somebody that can be exposed on this defense. Emmanuel Mosley, I don't, because Emmanuel Mosley went toe-to-toe with Julio Jones and went toe-to-toe with the big the big wide receiver, DK Metcalf, on Seattle in the first go-around. And even though Witherspoon has more size than Emmanuel Mosley, Emmanuel Mosley has stepped up to every challenge of big time, you know, big sized receivers, you know, some of them are just unguardable, you, you know, just like basketball. And, you know, there's some guys that are unguardable, same thing in football. There's guys like Michael Thomas is virtually unguardable. Uh, Julio Jones is almost there, although he's in the latter half of his career. So I think he's a little bit more susceptible to coverage. And so, he, but you know, he's not going to get the start. At least that's what the indication has been from hearing players talk and hearing Matt Mayoko give uh, updates to these teams but uh, you know this the Vikings are really kind of straightforward where in terms of how you scheme against them because their entire offense is predicated on Dalvin Cook's success if Dalvin Cook has a good game then it opens up play action for Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins thrives in that he thrived with that under Kyle Shanahan so there is familiarity there although I think the Kyle Shanahan that is scheming for the 49ers has a vastly different system. At least the wrinkles, some of the concepts might be similar, but I think the wrinkles and the, the, the micro aspect of, of how these plays unfold after the snap is vastly different from what he experienced in Washington. So I don't know what kind of, you know, scouting reports he's going to be able to give these coaches. I know Gary Kubiak knows him very well. And so there, there, I think there'll be some familiarity with, with that. So there are some people there that do know him and, you know, I, I, knowing something is better than not knowing anything. So I, I think it'll help the Vikings. But again, this all starts and stops with Dalvin Cook, because there's one big difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins. And the big difference that I see and some other people agree with me on this, and we'll see if, if listeners agree with me on this one. I think Kirk Cousins doesn't handle pressure as well as Jimmy Garoppolo. No, not Jimmy at all. Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and we've said this on the cast numerous times, at, at least with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not afraid to stand into the pocket to take a hit and to get the ball to his read, whether it be first, second, or third. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, if you fluster him, he does not stay poised. He, unless he's pulled out of the pocket via play action, if he has to sit in there and take a hit, he's susceptible to getting batted down or throwing a pick. He didn't throw a lot of picks this year. He certainly didn't throw a lot with, um, in comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think Jimmy takes a little bit more risks. That's the one thing I see that's different from them, and Kirk has been playing longer, and I think Kirk does a little bit better job of taking care of the football, and I see him throw the ball away. Whereas Jimmy still tries to kind of make those plays by either holding on to it too long or he threads the needle. It's one of the two. He either takes a sack by holding it too, or actually one of the three, I should say. He takes a sack by holding it too long, he throws a pick, or he makes the throw. It's one of those three. Whereas Kirk Cousins is, you know, it's a, he throws the ball away or he takes a sack or he makes the throw. But uh, under pressure, it's, it's more of the latter two than the first one. Whereas Jimmy G, Jimmy G can thread the needle in the face of pressure. And so that's the big one. So if we stop Dalvin Cook, you stop Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins 
I don't have a lot of confidence in him if there's no running game. If there is a running game, then he's going to, you know, he's capable of shredding any secondary, including the best in the NFL, which is our group here. But Joukowsky Tart is going to be back. All of our corners are healthy. That's going to be huge. Joukowsky Tart is so good against a run, and he's going to be so great in coverage, whether it's Quan Williams taking a tight end or him taking a tight end. I think it makes a huge difference. That's going to really keep some of their big playmakers, their tight ends in check, like Kyle Rudolph, whose nickname is Rudy, by the way. Really? I think that's going to, yeah. That's awesome. That's what Kirk Cousins calls him. So they're going to take care of him. And then on the other side, then you know, Vikings really had kind of have to focus on slowing down the run game and trying to get into Jimmy Garoppolo's face. I think they're going to try to do the same thing that New Orleans did because New Orleans uh, was susceptible in the middle of their line. And I think that same concept kind of goes for us where our, stack, our tackles are really strong. But at the same time, our guards are really stout. The only, the only nuance there is center. But he's been playing. He's in rhythm. It's not like it's a new thing. And... Uh, so, uh, but if I was the Vikings, that's where I would focus my attention is trying to attack the middle of our line because that's where you might have some, some edge there. And I expect them to do that, you know, on the, on the zone running side, cause we're outside zone, inside zone. We have a lot of speedsters on this squad, guys that can take the edge. I don't think, I think Vikings are going to focus on inside zone for Dalvin Cook versus outside zone because our sideline to sideline speed, I think is capable of taking the edge away from Dalvin Cook. I'm not so sure if that's the same for the Vikings. I don't know if they have the same amount of speed to match our back speed, especially when we do outside zone stuff, because that is really, when you have George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk out there blocking and whoever else, whether it be Joe Staley on one side or Mike McGlinchey on the other, you've got really fantastic Pro Bowl caliber blockers out there. And it's just really, really hard to stop combined with the speed of a Brita or a Coleman or a Raheem Mostert, who's most likely going to get the nod for the, the lion's share of the snaps between, I'd say it's between him and Brita, but don't, you know, don't, we're going to see all three of our backs in this game, no doubt about it. And then defensively, we're going to have D four back. And if, or I say we might, if we do, it's a game changer. Because the defense, the defensive line really needs all four of those guys there in order to click. Because now you're not focusing on double teaming and chipping Nick Bosa. And because whoever takes D Ford's place is really a non-factor. Most, I think we can say that, no disrespect to whether that's Solomon Thomas or Contavious Street or whoever that is, whoever comes into that role. But it just doesn't, it's not the same edge. If you have D4 there, you have speed. You have one of the best, you know, off the snap speed in the entire league. So if you have him there, he's going to be great against closing the gap on the run edges. And he's going to be great against forcing one-on-ones inside with our twin towers and outside with Bosa. And that's because that's where the wide nine comes in. That's D Ford really completes the wide nine technique. He's the one that really helps the other guys get success. And so if he's able to play, then I think it's going to be a really long day for Kirk Cousins. So let's let's talk about this a little bit cuz I really think I really feel like this game is going to be made or won with the defense. Now Raymond rushing has been an issue with us uh, as the season has worn on and you you have often pointed back to the the Los Angeles Rams game as being the game that really 
kind of opened up that door for issues with the run game that you know we were exposed and you've talked about that ever since then teams have copied that ever since then teams have copied that over and over again so now my question for you is what about the defense will we be able to stop dalvin cook and and if we can't can we still win this game i think so it's just going to be really really close really really close i mean this 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 vikings Scheming against them is very similar to how you would approach a team like, say, Carolina Panthers. You stop Christian McCaffrey, you slow down that team. And, you know, maybe he gets some garbage time stuff, but we all saw what happened in Carolina. But that was a fully healthy 49ers defense. We're not completely healthy there. We're almost there. We are almost there. A fully healthy squad, I think, is really scary and really brings a lot of optimism towards our path to the Super Bowl if if everybody's able to come back and maintain their health. Not just come back for a game, but come back, perform, and maintain. So that's the other question too is does the week off, does the week is there going to be some rust in the week off? Is there not going to be? I te- I want to believe that it's not going to be because I want these guys to compete. We saw what they did after the bye earlier in the season. They came out and they destroyed the Browns. Granted, that was when everyone was healthy, including the rotation squad. On the defensive line, we don't have that luxury this time. We even had to bring in the old uh, nose tackle that we had before. Um, what's his name? Before Jones took over for him. I forget his name but uh, a nose tackle on our side who played for us. I think we got him over from Miami. But, you know, he, you know, and and we called him up because we needed some help up front. He knows the scheme. He's played in the system, but he had retired. And now he's back. But, you know, how much football shape is he in? Is he going to be able to, I think he's in, he's in okay physical shape, but not so much football shape come in playoff game to try to play. But I mean, any help is, is, good help especially with him because it it makes it makes sense logically to bring him in and i'm gonna i'll find out his name in a a moment but that's going to help us against run stopping because he was he's a big large person just like our previous nose tackle who we lost for the year and i just hope that he's able to contribute something because it's uh I think uh, the fact that we don't have the rotation group does also limit the defensive line's ability to pass rush effectively. But D, but D Ford adds that that wrinkle, that that sore wrinkle of why the reason, one of the big reasons why we haven't been getting sacks is, is I think more predicated on the absence of D Ford than missing the rotation squad. Yeah, and you're probably right about that. Uh, as far as that nose tackle, I, I, you know, I don't know his name either. You're, you're that's more, that's more your department. But the thing about it is too, you know, is that we, we have to look at this with an unbiased lens, right? Like we, we were talking the same thing about Marshawn Lynch. We're like, okay, but he's been gone a season. I mean, how much fo- he might be in shape, but how much football shape is he in? Blah 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 blah. It's the same thing. It, it, the same thing goes here. For the for our nose right. tackle, you know, like yeah, you're like you said, Earl Mitchell is Earl his Mitchell. Name. So Earl Mitchell Earl is Mitchell. in shape, but is he in football shape? That's really hard to tell. I think the same thing like Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was in physical shape, but he wasn't in football shape, no. and he didn't perform like somebody who was in football shape. I think we can assume the same thing here with Earl Mitchell. He's probably in shape, but he's not in football shape. 
and I don't I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make. I hope Contavious Street is healthy to provide some support because it's Solomon Thomas and I don't know who else after that. Demontre Moore's down, Ronald Blair's down, Jones is down. You know, the whole second unit is almost the entire second unit is down Jeez. outside of Solomon Thomas. Jeez. But if that's why if D Ford gets back and plays, it's a game changer. It's a huge game changer. That means that means Nick Bosa and him and Eric Armstead ha- the potential for them to get in Kirk Cousins' face is significantly higher if D Ford plays. Yes, if he can play and if he's healthy enough to play and not just healthy enough to be a body out there for one game and then he's out for the rest of the season. Right, or if he tries to play like he did last time and ends up getting pulled out within the first quarter. Yeah, well, we have to see. This uh, This is a real tight one. I'm very nervous. Again, I think you have to treat the Vikings like a caged tiger. This is every game for them right now. Being on the road as a wild card is a Super Bowl level must win, no go, no no take backs style game. Niners have to keep that same thing. I agree. I think they have done a wonderful job. Shanahan's great at keeping them focused and keeping them very, uh, very much resetting them and getting them prepared for the new team. So Raymond, I'm going to ask you, who do you think? Wins this game. I think the Niners win, and I actually think they win convincingly. I think that on the road twice on a shorter week across the country is tough for anybody in the regular season, let alone the divisional round of the playoffs. And I just don't think there's enough momentum off that Saints win to carry over in this Niners game because I just think the 49ers are just so strong up front. And if D4 does play... I think it's going to be a huge a huge win for us in terms of defensive performance. And the fact that Quan Alexander's game-time decision, but we know Jaguaski Tart's going to be there. Jaguaski Tart is going to be huge. We've seen the safety play with his absence, and it's just it was a night and day exchange. Whereas in linebacker, at least Jay, Dre, Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw has been able to step in really well. And it, it only became noticeable in the latter, latter half of the season where some of our other guys started to fall down, started to go down, and then we started to get exposed at linebacker. And then it was really kind of lean. It was all kind of resting on Fred Warner's shoulders to keep it afloat because Dre Gleanlaw was getting beat on certain plays because we were not getting... We weren't tackling guys at the second level and they were getting past us and Dre Gleanlaw was taking some bad angles on certain games. But I don't think that's going to happen this time. I just think the fact that we're healthy and we're going to get some guys back, we might get, if, think about it. If all three guys play, you have reinforcements at every level. You have defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. That's huge. That's huge. And this is not B squad. This is A squad that's coming back. So that's a that's a big deal. And I think that that's going to be a handful for Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook's also a big part of this passing game, too. And, you know, I think that if Quan can play, he's got the speed to keep up with Cook and coverage. I think he's got and he's got the speed to to do that better than Fred Warner. But I think Fred Warner could also handle the task. Too. Well, we've also been exposed. But, we've exposed been exposed in the run game ever since Quan went down, ever since Quan went down. 
We have, and, and we got, we did, we had some games where we did better in that regard. Like, you know, but some of it was, we got a little help from the opposing team, like Seattle lost all three of their backs and they had a Marshawn Lynch who had been retired for over a year. So you got a guy that was out of football shape trying to play football and just, you know, it helped us do our job and slow down the, slow down their run. They, they didn't get over a hundred that day. So I think that they, you know, I think they're going to, you know, even though they, even though I think some of the outside zone stuff with the Homer in Seattle worked on us, I think that Vikings are going to try that too, even though I think that our speed and coverage on the edge is much better than New Orleans. But I have seen some players get to us on the edge. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's gonna work this week. There's too much at stake. Everyone and you know, people are saying like uh it's so funny, some people that the way they, they judge these games, you know, they, they think like, gosh, you know, the pressure's on San Francisco Florida, they have everything to lose. I was like, Yeah, but so do the Vikings. The Vikings <laughs> have everything to lose too. Yeah. If they lose, they're out too. It's not like they fall to a loser's bracket and can, you know, get a second chance to, to get back into the tournament. No, they're out too. The Vikings have everything to lose yeah. too, just as much as the 49ers do. So there is they're, no they're the they're the final they're the lowest seed going against the number one seed. They have everything to lose. Their backs are completely up against the wall. They're going into San Francisco after being on the road last week in New Orleans. That sounds like everything to lose. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's one and done right now. One and done. That's it. So this is for all the cards. And I just think I am very confident in the Niners' ability. I don't, I do not think this game is going to be close. I don't. Some people think it's going to be close. I don't. I think this is going to be the Niners getting healthy, coming off of a bye week, and I think they're going to be super fired up. I don't think there's going to be much rest at all because that rest was needed in order to really recharge so they can continue this run and try to get to the Super Bowl. So I think that this is going to help them. They're not going to be rusty. And I see something like 33-20. to Ooh, wow, by two touchdowns. Just about, almost. That's what I'm seeing. Okay, 30. It's either that or like 31-17 or something. So I'm going to go with a more classic score. I'm going to say 28-21. San Francisco covers. They win by 7. 28-21 is what I'm going to say that the San Francisco 49ers, in favor of the 49ers. All right, let's briefly... Let's quickly go through the rest of the games. We're not going to do nearly as an in-depth one. We're going to kind of speed through these things. Let's start with speed round, lightning speed round, round lightning round. Uh, so that, by the way, that game, in case you're unaware, that is the 1 o'clock game on Saturday. It's the opening game. The great part is the Niners is the first game, and after that we can just relax and, and hopefully we win and just enjoy the rest of the games. All right, next up, the this very frustrating frustrating primetime Sunday night game is the Seattle Seahawks and Green Bay Packers. Uh, real quick, they've got Green Bay at four-point favorites. Total the over-under is 46. Seattle has to go into Green Bay to defeat Green Bay. Ray, what say you? What happens in this game? Seahawks are so banged up, it's it's a miracle that they were even able to get to eleven and five. This is a team who's they could have been nine and seven if a couple failed goals the right way. 
Yes, easily. They could have been they could have been 8 and 8 when you really look at how many close games they won. And to be honest, it was other teams kind of missing their opportunities versus the Seahawks kind of dominating. They haven't really dominated anyone this season. They've won on on if they keep the score close, they've won because Russell Wilson's very good at moving the ball downfield via his legs and his arm, and he's just hard to stop if you aren't able to contain him. But I just think that the Seahawks are just missing too many pieces at this point going on the road to the Packers across the country or to the Midwest however, or the Mid-East, I don't know, however you want to phrase it, in that temperature. I just think Green Bay, even though they're kind of the same way, you know, there's some games that Green Bay could have lost just as easily, but they managed to pull it out. They've Green Bay has a lot of sloppy wins on their record this year and some big-time losses on the other side of it, despite only coming up to three. But I just think that Green Bay's healthier, Green Bay's more balanced on both sides of the football, and I don't think Seattle's got enough juice left in the tank to put up a fight against them. I think uh, Green Bay wins that game. I think it'll be close because Green Bay likes to play to their opponent's level. So I think it's something like 24-20 or 24-17, something like that. It'll be a one-possession game. Yeah, I, I was thinking 21-24, 28-24 in favor of Green Bay. I'm willing Green Bay into this victory. I am not confident. I do believe that uh, Green Bay kind of stumbled into the number two seed, and I could easily see Seattle taking this, but I agree. I think this is about as far as the Eagles are capable of going. Uh, you know, who ever knows? Another Jadavion. Uh, the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, a Jadavion dirty, clowny hit, and uh, uh, bam, you know, uh, and they knock out uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and who knows? Okay, so let's move on. So moving on. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, the one o'clock game. Okay, the, the one o'clock game. We have the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, right now, or one thirty? Is it one thirty? Because we're one thirty-five. Yeah, they're one o five. One o five. Okay. So Houston, uh, Kansas City is eight and a half point favorites. Huge spread. Very similar to the 49ers and. Uh, Vikings game eight and a eight and a half point favorites. The over under is set at forty nine. Raymond, do you take that bet? That's a that's an old school gold cast. <laughs> <That is. laughs> I think you absolutely do. I think Andy Reid gets over the hump here. I think the Texans just don't have enough weapons to. The Chiefs are playing really good defense right now. The only thing that I think could hurt them is perhaps the rest. I don't you know I don't. I don't follow that team. I don't know that team. I don't know how Andy Reid keeps them together. But having that rest might hurt them. We don't know. We know that they don't have a great record in the post in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when they're coming off of rest like that. But I think they get over the hump against the Texans cuz the Texans they have some weapons. I mean, it's going to be a, a nice it's going to be a good game between him and Deshaun Watson, I think. I th- it has the capability of being a shootout because, you know, even though the Chiefs have been playing great defense consistently for the latter half of the season, I don't know if I can trust them to bring out that same squad that we saw coming off the rest, if there's going to be some rust. If, they're, if they are, then I think this game's going to have a slow start and both teams are going to play tight football. But I think in the second half, Patrick Mahomes, the running game, and that devastating long ball, short short ball yards after the catch attack that the Chiefs run, I think it's going to be too much for the Texans, and eventually they're going to pull away in points. So I take the Chiefs in this one for sure. And I do think they cover the spread. 
Yeah, I think I think they cover the spread too, and I also am in agreement. Kansas City faux show, and then the fi- final game of the evening, the five o'clock game on Saturday. This game will come after our game. Both number one seeds playing on Saturday. Of course, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. This one is even bigger. Baltimore, 10-point favorites over under set at 48. What do you think, Ray? This is the probably the easiest game to call out of this group. I just think the Ravens are healthy, and they're stacked on both sides. They're playing terrific football. They've been playing terrific football all season long, and I just really don't see the Titans putting up a big enough fight. I don't think there's, you know, they're going to focus on Derrick Henry. This is another one of those teams like a Minnesota Vikings, like a Carolina Panthers. Their success is predicated on, on the success of Derrick Henry. And I just don't know. He, he, even though, I mean, you could say, Hey, I mean, there's, there's room for him to succeed here. You saw, he ran against a better running D one of the best rushing defenses in the entire football league last week. And new England was never even in it in terms of stopping him they they'd never had a shot they he was just ran all over them so there is a chance there i just i just think the ravens are really focused and they're really sound on both sides and i expect them to beat the titans and probably i think they'll probably go over the spread there's a good chance to go over the spread too Ooh, over the spread I will i will keep them right at the spread i do think that the titans are frisky I think that they're coming in with a lot of confidence having beat the New England Patriots, but I think that confidence is stopped dead in its tracks when Lamar Jackson runs all over them. I also agree. Now, Raymond, last week when we agreed, we went 0-4. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's hope our luck, especially with that first game of the, of the, of the weekend, let's hope our luck uh, turns around a little bit. What do you say? I say definitely, definitely. Uh, when I look at this game, I don't, you know, the press and the media, they like to do their thing where they look at the past and they look at the history of games and, you know, none of that crap matters. Different decade, different era, different different sport, different players, different coaches, different logos, different color schemes on the uniforms. For different God's fans. Sense. Different fans. Some of the fans are dead. They're not even alive anymore. <laughs> Some of those players are dead. Some of those players weren't even born yet. Some of the players that exist now weren't even born yet. So it's it's just silly to compare the past games. It doesn't matter what kind of, you know, they're playing a sport where all these teams are in the same conferences and in, in similar or adjacent divisions. So the likelihood of them repeating history in terms of their ranking and how they proceed through the tournament is very likely. It's very likely if those teams are good. So there's nothing special happening there. So that, that part gets on my nerves. But the the other thing that got on my nerves more, which I've already talked about, is the fact that they say, oh, my God, the Niners have everything to lose. It's like, and the Vikings don't? Give me a break. <laughs> it's, it's such a horseshit. Such horseshit <laughs> coming out. Out of a pundits, these are, this comes out of pundits' mouths, too. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, which, you know, the pretenders like Nick Wright or Chris Broussard. This is coming out of, like, ex-pros. I'm just like, what are they thinking? Like, I don't get where that comes from. I don't know either. But I know. I think that's silly. Raymond, any final thoughts? I'm going to tell you what. I am pumped 
I am so excited. The Niners are back in the playoffs where they belong. They're the number one seed, top of the NFC, about to face the the Minnesota Vikings. Let's go. I'm pumped. Yeah, I— yeah, I'm, I'm pumped too, and I'm so excited for the Niners to be back in the playoffs. We've been all been waiting a long time for this, and now we're finally here, and we got to get a break in our first year back to the playoffs, which is huge, speaks volumes of the coaching staff and their ability to coach players up and also to evaluate daft, draft and recruit talent via free agency. So there's kudos to go all around this, this squad, and I think that people should feel confident for them going into this game, especially if we get Quan and D Ford back. Especially. And you know what? I think this is a great time to once again stop and congratulate the, the, the hopefully – the person who's pro- who should get executive of the year, John Lynch. Thank you, John Lynch, for putting together this masterful squad. Of course, Kyle Shanahan had a lot to do with it, but John Lynch, he came in with the goal with Shanahan, and he has been very attentive, and there were times we were very critical, times we, we did doubt him in the offseason, and clearly he knows more about football than us. Who knew? Who knew? I, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I stand corrected. John Lynch knows more about football than I do. Son of a gun. Who knew? Yeah, what? yeah a smart SOB, that that John Lynch. <laughs> Tr- tricky little guy. Slippery fellow, that one. Uh, but, yeah, definitely props to John Lynch. What a, what a team he's put together. And props to our coaches, John, uh, Kyle Shanahan, and Robert Sala for uh, guiding this great squad. And here we are, moment of truth. Day and a half away. We're recording this on Thursday night, January 9th. Uh, just day and a half away. We're very close. I can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sleese III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Sleese the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.